think, there we go, it's my fault. Uh, it's good to be with you, and we want to welcome those of you who are online as well. It is, it is such a privilege to be able to come together and to just worship the Lord. And one of the things for me is today, we're, we're just recalling the ways in which we've seen the Lord work in this last year. But before we really dive into what we've seen and remembering all that God has done, I want to stop and just ask us this question. What is worship? What, is it, what does it mean to really worship the Lord? And if you were to define that for yourself and for your family and the people around you, what would it mean for you to have a heart, a posture of worship before the Lord? A life that's fiercely committed to serving him in the way that you live, the lifestyle of worship lived out before him. Because as we aim to define worship, what we find is it significantly impacts the way in which we relate and connect to Christ. It impacts the way in which we understand how we come before him. And so this morning, as we aim to recall what God has done, we want to do it through a heart of worship. We want to do it with a little bit greater clarity and deeper perspective on what it means to worship God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so as we start this morning, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're just looking at verse 12. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn there. If you have it on your app, you can go there as well. But before we jump into this text, I want to just invite the Lord to meet with us. So let's pray together here. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship, to come and to recall the ways in which You've been so faithful, so gracious to us. Lord, we don't want to take it for granted. We want to invite you into this place, and we want to worship and celebrate you. Lord, we pray that this morning you would be exalted among us, that our, our remembrance of who you are, our remembrance of what you've done, our, our proclamation of praise towards you, would bring joy to your heart. Lord, we commit this morning to you in your name. Amen. So Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Just in this one little verse, we have four different key instructions as to what worship really is. And the first one there is fear the Lord. As we look at fearing the Lord, we take it as this deep respect for who God is. We take it as this deep respect for his glory, for his authority, for his righteousness, for, for those key components of who he is in everything that he models. And the reality is, as we have seen in the Bible and uh, heard of people's personal testimony from time to time, when people encounter the glory of God, it wrecks them. I mean, it wrecks them. Isaiah says, woe is me, I am ruined. Because when you take someone who even feels holy, who feels like they're on track with God, who's been a Christian, who's mature in their faith for a long time, when you take that person and you put them next to the holiness of God, all you can see is how stained and wicked they've been. 
because there's no matching up against purity. And so when we come before the Lord, we have this healthy respect for who he is because he is that perfect. He is that holy. And so we fear the Lord with great respect. Secondly, we're told to walk in his ways. And not just some of his ways. We're told to walk in all of his ways. That we would intentionally take some type of um, scalpel to any sin that's in our life and surgically remove it. To be very intentional about areas where we've gotten off track, areas that we've allowed to continue on that we know is going on. We live in a generation right now where almost everyone has some ability to have a secret or two or hide something that's going on in their life. And the call here is that instead of being a people who have things that they're hiding, that we would be a people who confess where we've gone wrong. That we would, instead of exalting the righteous things that we've done, we would proclaim and confess where we've made mistakes. That we would be open and honest. That we are a fallen people. And we enter into his ways and we come back to him again and again. Thirdly, we are called to love him. And this is the greatest commandment according to Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are called to love him with a fiercely committed love that is committed to spending time with him, that is committed to coming back to him again and again when we've fallen short, when we're angry with him, when we don't understand what's happening around us and we are confused, when we feel like we are at a loss, we are to come to him because he is our loving father who wants to provide for us, who wants to speak truth into our life and to remind us who we are. We love God because he first loved us. And his love is so much deeper and greater than we know. And it's as we come to meet with him that he meets us in those places. And then finally, we're called to serve the Lord. And notice how with serve the Lord, we're given two clarifying, qualifying pieces. It says, serve the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Anytime that we get these clarifiers, these qualifiers in Scripture, we have to stop and ask, why did the Lord prompt the writer of this passage to add this clarifier? Because typically, it's this type of passage that we look at and we go, oh, obviously I'm going to serve the Lord, right? Moving on. He's like, whoa, 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 slow down here, okay? Moses is trying to get us to see something. This isn't just like a casual serve the Lord when you have time, when you're able, or when you feel like it, or you feel rejuvenated and rested, right? This is serve the Lord with everything you have. This is get on board, get on mission, because he is worthy, and there is nothing else in this life that is going to satisfy you like being in the place that God wants you to be. And he wants you to be in service of his kingdom. He wants you to be seeking his glory. He wants you to be sharing the love of Christ with the people around you. And so these are the ways that we worship. And as we recall the ways that uh, we worship here, these four keys for us, we're going to see this play out a little bit in the ways that we've seen God be faithful to us here this year. We're going to see ways in which he's demonstrated his love toward us and we've responded. We're going to see ways in which we've aimed to serve his kingdom and he's met us in that place and gone before us and provided opportunity for real kingdom advancement to take place. 
This morning we come together not to try to walk away with more knowledge. We're coming together just to worship. We're coming together not to celebrate what Grace Church has done, not to celebrate anything that you or I have done or to somehow take credit because the reality is there's nothing we can do apart from God. And everything that we're here to celebrate this morning is about him and it's about what he's done. And so as we come together, let's just worship God. (laughs) Let's just worship him for who he is and the ways that we have experienced his faithfulness this year. And so with that, I want to just start by saying in the past few years, it's been on the hearts and minds of leadership to be building a culture of prayer here at Grace Church, that this has been a primary focus, and Tim has been instrumental in leading us in that direction. And in the first couple of years, we would admittedly say that there has been very minimal progress. But then last fall, as we came into it, there's something that shifted There's something that began to dwell up in the lives of people. And personally, I'll just speak on my side of it, and then I'll share with you some other pieces of this. But as I came into last fall, I was discouraged. I was tired. I I was struggling to have motivation and drive to continue to do everything that I was doing. I found myself in Tim's office three or four different times just being like, this is where I'm at, and I don't know how to get out of it. I feel like I'm stuck. And I felt driven to pray. I felt driven to learn again to rest in the presence of God, to come back to him and spend time intentionally fasting and praying on a regular basis. And I can say without hesitation that I spent more time fasting last fall than I have in my entire life. And it's not because of some inward desire. It's not because of all of a sudden I decided, oh, I'm going to be holy It's because God put some type of deep seed, some type of burden in my heart and in my mind that compelled me to come to him, that compelled me to say, I can't do this apart from him. I can't continue on. I can't do ministry the way that I'm doing it. I have to learn how to surrender in a new way. I have to meet with the Lord in a new way. There's something here that's off. And as the fall developed and progressed, I actually just was casually kind of having conversation with people, and I was learning of more and more people who were feeling that same type of burden to pray. I I heard numerous people talk about how they had been fasting more and how they just felt like the Lord was calling them into a place of prayer. And incidentally, we came into January, and for the first time as a church, we said, January is prayer month. And we titled the series that we were in, It Is Time. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to really come before him in prayer and worship him through prayer. That prayer and worship go together. And it's when we are Jesus-focused that our prayer and our worship ultimately have meaning and significance. And so we came into that month and we had set aside different worship and prayer nights and we ended up having eight of those throughout the year and each one of them were special times and special moments where the Lord met with those who gathered in this room to just come and to pray and to worship him. There was a molding that took place. There was a shaping that took place. There was a purifying as there was confession of sin. There was a way in which we were meeting with the Lord here in this place. And so this morning, really what we want to talk about is remember when. 
Remember when the Lord met you in your sin and forgave you of what happened. Remember when you were praying about a really difficult and challenging situation in your life and the Lord answered in ways that you couldn't even think of. Remember when you were praying that you would be able to share your faith, that you would have the courage to share your faith with someone and you didn't even have to go find someone. The Lord brought someone to you. And so as we talk about this culture of prayer, church, I want to say, do you remember when God started to draw us into a culture of prayer? Do you remember when that started to initiate in us and his spirit went before us and guided us in that direction? And beyond that, as we came into January, I've heard numerous testimonies this year of people who had this newfound spiritual hunger in January and February. It just started to build. And I had shared with you about Laura and myself and how we felt like the Lord had just kind of met us in February. And for Laura, there was this newfound spiritual hunger where she was just driven and compelled to read the word, to study it in a new way, and to not just be satisfied with what she knows about it, but to try to meet with the Lord instead of trying to gain understanding. And there are 21 people who I have heard about in the last 8 to 10 weeks. Not people that I have written down, not people that I have thought about. I have heard from others of 21 people who experienced this spiritual hunger this spring. How the Lord went before them and drove them into this place when he created this hunger for him. This desire for him. Do you see how the Lord was using the prayer? Do you see how the Lord was going before us in January and he was building this spiritual hunger in us? And it wasn't just us. What we see is that this was beyond Grace Church. It was beyond the UP. This was something that was happening around the country. If you remember on February 8th, down at Asbury College, there was a revival that broke out where, where students just stayed after chapel and began worshiping. And it turned into a 24-hour-a-day worship service that lasted for 17 days, and there were well over 70,000 people who came from all around the world simply to gather and to worship the Lord. That was the purpose to just gather as God's people and to just proclaim who he is and praise his name. And there were a few of us who went from here. We were able to go down on, on Friday the 17th of February. And on Saturday the 18th, Shelby Lippold had reached out to uh, the pastors and just said, hey, could we... Uh, just open the doors, and whoever wants to come into the church could worship. And so while the three of us who had gone to Asbury were there and we were worshiping there, there was just this question brought up of, could we open the doors? And on Saturday the 18th, there were 35 to 40 people who came in over the course of about eight hours and just were quiet before the Lord. There was worship music playing in this room, and they were on their knees just praying and spending time with him. There was this building of worship towards the Lord. And then 
the three of us who went to Asbury came back and we gave report to you as the church as to what we experienced and what we saw down at Asbury. And do you remember what happened after that? Do you remember how we responded as a church after that? It wasn't that we did anything. It was the Lord moving among us for 45 minutes, 50 minutes after the service. There was about 80 people who just stayed in this room to pray who just stayed in here seeking the Lord, wanting to meet with him, wanting to worship him. And we had music playing and there were people singing, there were people praying, there was some confession that was taking place. There were pastors who were moving around and praying with different individuals and we were just coming before the Lord as a family saying, Lord, we just want to worship you. Do you remember when God moved among us? When he came and he met with us and he went before us and he guided us as he led us into his presence. And that happened for the next three Sundays. We saw people stay in this room for the next three Sundays where we just gathered as his family. And we said, Lord, you are worthy. But the Lord didn't just meet with believers. He was meeting those who didn't believe. And we had people here in Delta County who came to Christ. We had people around the country that I'm aware of. I've heard story after story of people coming to Christ. I want to share a quick story with you about two boys. And, and I asked them if I could share their story. But in February, we had two boys who didn't have a driver's license, who were a little confused about where they were at in life, and they had some idle hands. And they gathered up some money, and they stole a Jeep, and they took off across the country. Their family didn't know where they went. They didn't know why they left. They didn't know what was going on, and they were left devastated, trying to figure out what to do, trying to look for them, but not knowing where to go. And that Sunday, we had a couple of different students who came in and talked to pastors and said, hey, can we just pray about what's going on here? Because these boys took off, and I'm concerned about them. And we prayed over it. We, we brought it before the Lord. And that afternoon, Freddie was found. He had walked three miles. They decided to split up, and he had walked for three miles through New Mexico. And he was found. And he was brought home safely. Well, Freddie's dad had been compelled to go and look for the other boy. It wasn't his son, but it was Freddie's friend. And so... He got in the car and he started driving. And he had heard that there was a report that the Jeep had been seen in, in an area, I believe it was in Oklahoma. And so he had took off and he had gone. And he was driving down the interstate. He was there with his dad, Freddie's grandpa. And they were praying together that God would just help them to find this other boy who's lost, who's in need of guidance, who needs some counsel, and just needs someone to come alongside him. And he said it was about 10 minutes later they're driving and they saw the Jeep right in front of them. And they followed it to a gas station and they brought him home safely. But that's not the end of the story because Freddie's dad came in and was interacting with me for about three hours a couple days after that. And he assured me by the end of that conversation that the boys would be coming to youth group, that Freddie's older brother was going to come with them. His name was Rodney. And that they were going to... Uh, come to winter camp if they could. And winter camp was like in eight days. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can make that happen. And so they jumped on the bus, they went to winter camp, and at winter camp, the Lord met with Rodney. And Rodney got to pray alongside Taylor Wilson, 
to accept Christ as a savior. And so God used these two boys who were lost, didn't know where they were going, didn't know what they were doing, to grab a hold of Rodney's life and to say, you are a child of mine. And then Rodney really got connected with some of our students and he started doing different Bible studies. He's walking through the Gospel of John with some of our students and they were texting each other about what does this verse mean and how do we understand this and what does this tell us about Jesus? And he was learning what it means to be a child of God. He was genuinely seeking and craving to be in God's presence. And then beyond that, about four to six weeks after camp, somewhere in that time frame, he felt this calling to enter into ministry, specifically prison ministry. So as a senior in high school, he began pursuing ordination online. Rodney is now ordained. God used these two boys not just to save Rodney, but he used them to save Rodney so that he can use Rodney for his purposes. And then the story continues. Because this fall, Freddie came back into youth group and he was struggling. He was wrestling. He still hadn't found Christ. He still was, had, had this internal battle that was going on inside of him. And he came into my office one day in October, and we just sat and talked for about an hour, hour and a half. And I just asked him pinpointed questions about what it means to be a Christian. I just shared gospel-oriented questions with him. And he left that day having no idea where he was. He, he was struggling to figure out what it means to surrender because there were pieces in his life that he wanted to hang on to. But then on November 15th, he came into youth group and I'd just begun teaching the lesson and he only made it about five minutes before the Lord really grabbed him. And he couldn't stay in the room because the emotions were coming and so he grabbed Taylor and they went into the kitchen and they just sat there for the rest of the night and they just talked about struggles, they talked about things that have been going on, they talked about where Freddie has been in this battle that's been going on and later that night, Taylor got a text message from Freddie, and it said, I think I'm ready to accept Jesus into my heart, and I would really want you to assist me in doing so because I don't know how. So would you want to meet me before church on Sunday? And so on November 19th, Taylor and Freddie spent 30 minutes there together just going through the gospel and praying to receive Christ. <laughs> the Lord used two boys who had no idea what they were doing, where they were going, to help grab a family and orient their gaze towards the Lord. God is so good. He is so good. And there are so many times that in our struggles, in our battles, he's at work. He's doing something that we can't see and we sit there and we ask, God, where are you in this? And he says, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute and see what I'm about to do. And sometimes we don't ever see it unless we look back. We don't ever see it unless we're intentional about recalling what God has done. So here's what I want to do for us as a church. I just want to invite you in to publicly proclaiming some praise to God. In Psalm 106, verses 1 and 2, and then also verses 47 and 48, 
We see this praise to the Lord, and in between, there's this intentional call to Israel to remember what the Lord has done. So all I want to do is say, will you join me in reading these verses aloud together? Here we go. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. I can't say enough how much we've seen God at work this year, and we don't have enough time to walk through all of the ways in which we have seen God meet with us and go before us in ways that we were not even expecting. But I want to share a few numbers with you of some things that happened. But before we get into that, I just want to say, can we remember that every single number is a life It's not about just this number. It's about this life, this story, this being called out of darkness, this seed of gospel truth that was planted in a new way. It's about light shining in the darkness. Each one of these numbers represents a way in which either a seed was planted or a way in which we saw God move. And so as we look at this, in children's ministry this year, we had some significant things happen. First of all, there were 46 Sundays where we had children's programming, which is a big deal for parents because it is so, trust me, as a parent, it is so nice to be able to trust other gospel men and women with my children that they can learn at their level while I come in here and just spend time in the presence of the Lord. I don't know if you're a parent in this room, but I feel like we should be getting a few amens at this point. It's a big deal, okay? And we love being able to do that. But here's the thing. This year, there have been 78 new families who have been in Grace Kids. 78 new families. Not all of them have stayed with us all year long. Not all of them have been super consistent. But we've been able to have meaningful touches with 78 new families, and that's a big deal. This summer at VBS, we had 130 kids who were here all week long learning about the armor of God and who heard a clear gospel message at the end of the week about who Jesus is. And beyond that, it took 90 committed volunteers who were willing to get their hands dirty, to be annoyed most of the week, to come and to just serve these kids so that the gospel could be shared with them. It's a big deal when 130 kids show up, and it's a big deal when we have 90 people who link arms together and say, let's go. Our children's ministry also hosted a grandparenting seminar where they intentionally, purposely, were equipping grandparents with training on how they can best influence, reach, guide, direct their grandchildren towards the Lord. There's an intentional building of the saints that's taking place within that ministry, and we want to just praise God and remember all of the ways that he's been faithful through them. 
This year, our student lead team, our, our actual student leader team, not our adult leader team, started a uh, relationship with Bay Pines. And they've gone over there several times. If you don't know, Bay Pines is the local juvenile detention center. They've gone over there several times to just share the gospel, be encouraging, intentionally build friendships, and honestly, just share the love of Christ. That's the goal, to just connect with these kids. And so we've gone over there and made meals, and we've played games, and we've brought over special events, things that they've probably never done before. And we've had a great time with them. And I have to say, as an outsider coming in, um, if you don't know, Tom Watoon works there, and Jamie Sanville works there, and they, them and their staff, they are doing a great job over there. They are building a culture that is so healthy for those girls. It is so healthy. And they're seeing the Lord move over there. And earlier this year, we got to uh, have the privilege of baptizing three of the girls, one of which has a story that is so profound and so powerful. I, I am so excited for you to get to hear about it. She's going to do a video for us later this coming year, and it is so good. God has met with her in a powerful way. He's met with the other two who were here in a powerful way. Each one of them can clearly articulate the gospel and claim it as a child of God. It is a beautiful thing. Also this year at the Jesus Festival, we were able to partner with 10 other churches and there were over 200 brothers and sisters who linked arms and said, we're going to try and be an outlet to our community. We're going to try and shine a light. And over 2,400 people attended that weekend. Of the 2,400 people, 260 of them indicated that they made some type of decision for Christ. Whether that was a rededication or a salvation, 260 of them, God grabbed a hold of them in some way and said, come to me, my child, and brought light where there had been darkness. This past fall, our women's ministry uh, decided to go through a trust exercise where they restructured the ministry. They wanted to be intentional about making sure that they were equipping women with uh, not just knowing the Word of God, but learning how to study it for themselves. That there are different techniques in how we study the Bible and different places where we use different techniques because it's poetic language or it's prophetic language or it's narrative or it's gospel, right? We have all these different pieces of the Bible and they want to be intentional about how do we learn the Bible? How do we teach our women to study the Bible and to know it for themselves? Typically, we've had 30 to 35 women sign up for these studies, and this fall, on the first day, there were 70 women who signed up for the studies this year. The Lord is drawing us in. He is moving among us, and he's calling us to take him seriously. We've seen so much movement, and there's other ongoing teams here at Grace, like the Congregational Care Team who reaches out and has meaningful touches with people who need help, with people who need to be comforted. We have so many ministry events that have taken place through our men's ministry who have had great touches with our community, inviting them in for different seminars like the smoking event and the pruning event and all of the different pieces that they're doing to help reach the community. We have our connections team who, I don't know if you've noticed, but Sunday mornings go pretty seamless. You can thank them, okay? Every Sunday morning, they faithfully come together and they make sure that everything is set up, that people are greeted, that the coffee is ready, that you can stay awake during this message. 
we have the worship team that faithfully leads us into the throne room. We have so many teams that have worked so hard to serve this body and to help reach this community so that we can better worship and know God. One of the more challenging ministries is grief ministry when, when we lose someone. And I don't aim to celebrate the number of funerals that we've had this year, but in an eight-week period, we had seven funerals this spring. And it was challenging. There, there was a lot of sense of loss, and there were other funerals this year that were challenging. And yet, those are one of the most important places for us as brothers and sisters to come alongside each other and just be present and just help each other reorient towards the Lord. There are, there is significant ministry that happens in those times and in those places. And so we're grateful to the Lord that he invites us in to be able to meet people in those places and to just try to give a word of encouragement, to just try and point them back to who he is and that even in times of grief and times of loss, he is faithful. This year we've had a number of people who wanted to get baptized. And so far we've seen 20 people get baptized, 20 people who took a step of obedience in their relationship with the Lord and said, I want to pursue the Lord in this way because he has called me to do it. Not only have we had 20 people get baptized, but we have several more who are signed up to get baptized on January 14th. We're going to, again, celebrate God moving and calling people in our body, in our congregation, to himself in that way. Not only that, we've had a number of people who have joined the church, who have come together and said, I want to be a part of the family of Grace Church. And speaking of that, I want to introduce you to someone on screen who has recently become uh, a member of Grace Church who you may or may not know. Go ahead and take a look at this. Hi, Grace Church. My name is Barb Gerlich. I first met Barb um, about three years ago. I had come to do a chapel here at Lakeview Assisted Living, and Barb has been a resident here. And from that very first chapel, it was very evident to me that Barb had a real heart for Jesus. She's been in every chapel that I have had the privilege to facilitate here at Lakeview. And it was earlier this year, uh, in 2023, that Barb said to me when I came in for a chapel, uh, she said, Pastor Tim, I'd like to become a member of Grace Church. And through this year, we took that seriously. So a couple of our elders came to uh, Lakeview. They interviewed Barb. They found her to be um, serious about her faith. And uh, honestly, they found her to be delightful. We thank the Lord for her. We thank the Lord for Barb's public testimony of faith. We're just delighted that, uh, that you're becoming a part of the Grace Church Fellowship. And what I wanted to do during this time today was just extend to you the right hand of fellowship and say welcome to the membership of Grace Church, Barb, and uh, blessings on you. And we and are you also. <laughs> we're going to look for different ways that uh, we can connect with you and with other residents here at Lakeview in the days ahead. I look forward to that.
Barb has been faithfully watching online and participating in our worship services week after week as she's not able to come and be with us, but she wants you to know that she is with us and that she is worshiping the Lord and she is part of our family here. This year, I'm aware of 13 people who chose to put their faith and trust in Christ for the first time. 13 people who made that step of faith that said, I want to trust the Lord with my life. And they're, they're, they're all beautiful, right? They all have these beautiful stories of who they are and what they've done. But I just want to highlight two of them. One, because I'm biased as a youth pastor, okay? I'll admit that. Um, but two of them are particularly special to me because it's a little bit different. One of them is uh, Peter Dells. He had been praying for his daughter for a long time. He had invited me into praying for his daughter, and he didn't prompt her. He didn't compel her, but one Sunday after church this fall, they went out to the car, and they started driving home, and she brought it up, and he got to lead his daughter to Christ. (laughs) What a beautiful moment. How awesome is that when a parent gets to come alongside their child, and they receive Christ while their parent leads them in that prayer? This fall at fall camp, we had uh, a group of girls who, after the teaching time, went back to their cabin and they're talking about the message. And uh, Jaden Lippold and Stephanie Appleman both said, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And Shelby Lippold got to uh, lead them as a group and they prayed over Jaden and Stephanie as Jaden and Stephanie received Christ. What a beautiful moment for our youth to be able to participate in that and to see that in the moment. God is so good, and he's moved in so many different ways this year. It has been so encouraging as he's helped draw us closer, mold us, and shape us, and purify us. He's done an amazing work. And I want to share one last story with you because for me, this is the most radical shift in a person's life that I've personally experienced. I've, I've heard testimonies similar to this one, but I've not got to walk through it or alongside it. And for me, it's just a radical statement of God's faithfulness, of God's commitment to his lost sheep. So earlier this year... Um, I was getting ready to preach. It was a Saturday, and I had felt a particularly heavy burden for what I was preaching on, and I was struggling to articulate it in a way that I thought was right and was able to be grasped. And so I needed to take a break. I needed to step away. So I went over to the Y, and I just sat in the sauna for a while. And while I was sitting in the sauna, I just prayed. I was like, Lord, if there's anyone there, anyone here, who you want me to interact with. Just help me to see him. And about two minutes later, a woman came in and she sat there and I just said, hi, how you doing? Where are you from? What's, you know, just kind of casual questions. And um, I don't know if she felt interrogated or not because I just asked more and more and more questions and <laughs> she kept sharing. And I was like, all right. This. And she talked about all kinds of things that have been going on in her life. She, she was struggling at home. There were some great difficulties that were going on, and she needed to get away. She needed a break, and she's from the Green Bay area. And so she took off south, but there was a snowstorm, so she turned west, and there was still a snowstorm. So she came north to Asana, where there's a pastor praying that God would send him someone. 
She decided to take a break, went into the Y, came into the sauna. And we were just talking for, for 45 minutes or so to the point where we both felt like we might pass out. And we decided we probably need to wrap this conversation up, but there were a few pieces that really stood out to me because it was clear uh, there was talk about prophecy, there was talk about witchcraft, there was talk about Ouija boards, there was talk about all kinds of different beliefs, all kinds of different um, sources of power that people turn to. There, there was talk of all kinds of pieces that were there, and all I wanted to do was just plant a seed of the gospel and say, hey, tomorrow um, I'm actually a pastor. And she goes, of course you are. <laughs> I said, tomorrow I'm preaching at Grace Church and I would love for you to come because I think a lot of what we've talked about here, I'm going to be talking about there in a very direct way. And I think it might be helpful. And she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. And So that was kind of the end of it. And I didn't know what was going to become of it. Well, lo and behold, I drove up the next morning. To my shock... On March 19th, when it was seven degrees outside, there was a tent sitting next to the bus. And I thought to myself, what is going on here? And I hopped out of my car and I just kind of walked over and I was like, hi, uh, is anyone in there? And she said, yeah, I was invited to come to church here and da 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 da. And I recognized her voice and I was like, Donna? And she goes, Jordan? And I was like, okay. Um, so you're coming to church. I'm, I'm glad you're coming, right? Like, it, it just was kind of one of those odd moments. And uh, she came to the parking lot. She came to the church to see where it was. And what she articulated to me later on was that she came just wanting to know where it was, and then she was going to go. But as she went to go, she knew that she was on holy ground. And she knew that if she left, she wasn't going to come back. And she decided that this was something she needed and that God had provided me as an answer to prayer in the sauna and that she needed to come to church. So I came in and we actually had donuts and coffee with mom and dad that morning for Grace Kids and we had a couple student leaders who were helping and so I uh, invited them to go out with a cup of coffee and a donut and to give it to Donna and to invite her inside and um, I'm told that they just stood about 20 feet from the tent for a few minutes trying to decipher how they should do this. But eventually they, they overcame and they went forward and they were able to give her this gracious invitation. She came in and she met with some important people. She met with Tony Grolo who had had some experience with some of these different sources of power in his life and who was able to talk through some of that with her. She met with Gary Cass who gave her a Bible and pointed her towards the Lord in his own way. And then during the service, I didn't know this until just recently, um, I asked her to shoot me an email on some of the details so that I could kind of fill in the gaps. But she said during the service, she was so overwhelmed by the way that the Lord was reaching her that she spent the entire service in the cry room because she couldn't compose herself. And afterwards, she came up to the front, and Stacy Randall and myself were able to just sit and pray with her and help orient her towards the Lord. And then I invited her over for lunch, and Bethany Peterson was coming over, so it was me and Laura and Bethany. And for about three to three and a half hours, we just sat and we tried to share the gospel. And there was some arguing, there was some disagreements, there, there was some uh, strife that was there to some degree, but it was all gracious, it was all cordial, and it was all honoring to the Lord. And at the end of it, we just prayed over her because we didn't know what else to do. 
And we just prayed that God would bind any power that's in her life that's not of him, that he would give her clear eyes to see and that the scales would fall off, the blinders would be removed, and we prayed that she would be able to walk in the freedom of who Christ is. And then she left, and we didn't know what was going to happen after that because she was going home to Peshtigo. And I'm sitting in my office a couple weeks later, and all of a sudden, I'm scrolling through my email, and I see a baptism application from Donna. And I thought, no way. And I start reading it, and I get just a very brief glimpse of the story, and I'm like, okay, i got to make a phone call. So I call her, and I said, hey, Donna, um, I'm reading your baptism application. Uh, can, you, can you just tell me what happened? Like, what, what's going on? And uh, she said, yeah, I left, and I knew that the Lord used you to say the truth. And I knew that I needed to receive it, and I needed to step into it. And there were a lot of things in my life that were going on that I needed to step away from. There, there was some substance abuse that was happening earlier that fall where she had already stepped away from that, and there were some other pieces in her life that were difficult that she was struggling through that she was needing to let go of, but she was clinging to. And she said, no, I'm going to let go of this. And she went home and she accepted Christ as her Savior and she ended up in a church that Sunday and then she went to a different church the next Sunday. She got connected with a Celebrate Recovery group. She got connected with a women's Bible study. And so by the time I'm interacting with her, she's gone to church two more times. She's gone to Bible study a couple times. She's gone to Celebrate Recovery a couple of times. And this woman is on track to seek the Lord. And I am not kidding when I say, I, I'm not that emotional of a person, I don't really break down that often, but we're about five minutes into this conversation and I know I'm not talking to the same person I was talking to two weeks ago. I can hear it in the way she articulates, I can hear it in the way that she's postured herself before the Lord, that this woman has new life in her. And it, it was one of those crippling moments where I just about lost it on the phone because of the way in which God radically met with her and brought her to himself. And her story continues because she's sitting right here. <laughs> her story continues because she also shared the gospel with her daughter, Chloe. And Chloe chose to accept Christ and, and bud her... Bud, her boyfriend at the time who she was living with, uh, he had grown up in the church and felt disconnected, kind of fell away over the years. And through this whole experience, they all got reconnected to the church. And a couple weeks uh, after Chloe and Donna got baptized here, Bud got baptized down in Peshtigo. And they, yeah, yeah, go. they have been a meaningful part of what we've continued to do here as they have made that journey over and over. Uh, they have helped with VBS. They have uh, been here for different pieces, different Sundays throughout. I know several of you have connected with them over that time. But one of the things that's been special too is uh, they felt a conviction on their life that as believers they can't live together. And so they made that decision, and Donna uh, bravely decided that she was going to sleep in the camper going forward until they got married and they decided they needed someone to marry them 
And so I got a phone call and I was like, yeah, I would love to be part of this. And so uh, we did like seven or eight sessions for marriage counseling and talking about what does it mean to have a right God-honoring marriage before the Lord. And we got to know each other really well. And on August 19th, they got married right here in this sanctuary. Not only has all of that happened, okay, Donna is currently facilitating AA meetings in the Econo Jail, trying to lead people away from substance and towards Christ. <laughs> I am telling you, had you met Donna prior to when she first visited here on March 18th, and you talked to her today, you would not know that you were talking to the same person. God has met her in a powerful way. He has done a great work in her life, and this is not the only place where God is at work. God is at work here, near, and far. We've seen it all over the country. We've seen it down at Auburn University where hundreds and hundreds of students decided to get baptized all at once. We've seen it in different campuses across the country. We've seen it in different churches as they've been stirred up to worship the Lord and come before him and just spend time with him. This has been a very special year. And as we look at all of what God has done, we are excited about what God is going to continue to do. It's not like God just stops working. He continues to work. He continues to move. And so as we look forward, there's a few things that I'm excited about for this coming year that relate to Grace Church. There's things like the spiritual gifts seminar that's coming up. And I think this is a key thing for us. I think that if you're not signed up with this, if you're not real uh, convinced of what your spiritual gifts are or know how you best can serve in the kingdom of God, that this is a great opportunity for us as a body to say, God has gifted me this way, and now I know how to better serve his kingdom. And so I want to encourage you, if you weren't planning on going to that, to really stop and look at it and consider going. Secondly, we also have this uh, class coming up on what is the Bible all about. And it's learning how to read the Bible and understand it uh, based on its different forms and how it came about. And so if you find yourself from time to time reading the Bible, and maybe you're a little bored because you're not really sure what it means, or you're a little bit just like, man, what are they even saying here, right? I mean, I still do that every week, but um, the Word is simply above us. But to have times where we intentionally go, this is how we study the Word. This is how we come back to it. This is how we can know the truth of the Word and help unpack it better so that we can more accurately understand who God is. It is so helpful. And there's one last piece here. Um, as we, sorry, there's two more pieces. Um, <laughs> as we come into this new year, as, as we did with this year in 2023, we're going to dedicate January to be a prayer month. And this month is titled, It's All About You, Lord. Everything that we do here, everything that we're about, everything that we participate in has to do with who the Lord is, what he's doing, and how we can best worship, honor, and serve him because he is worthy. And so as we come together, I just I want to encourage you now to be preparing your hearts and your minds to just come to worship the Lord, to keep your focus on him. To, don't let it become about you, but let this coming year be a year where we turn to God and say, we don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. Now I'm going to close with one last point. 
This was something that just happened two weeks ago. Uh, I was invited as one of the faith leaders of Delta County to come to Bay College to meet with the new president, and we were asked as the faith leaders, what do we need to do for students here on campus, spiritually? What's something that we've done well? What's something that needs to change? And what's something new that we haven't tried before? And there were 15 of us who got to sit there and interact with the president of Bay College about the spiritual needs on that campus. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what God's going to do over there. Going forward, she's assembling a team where there will be uh, different community members and leaders, and she's going to reserve two to three spots for pastors who are going to consistently speak into meeting the spiritual needs at Bay College. God is so good, and he goes before us in so many ways. And there are so many times in which we don't even see what he's doing, but he's gone before us, and he's doing a new work. And so we gather, we worship, and we praise him. And what we're going to do now is we're going to close in prayer, and then we're just going to stand up, and we're going to worship with everything that we have because he is worthy. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this year, 2023, when we have had the opportunity to see you stir up something new here in our church among this body. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the way that you have gone before us. We thank you and we praise you for the ways that you have answered prayers over and over again, where you have met us in our sin, where you have forgiven us of what is off and what is wicked, where you have restored us as your children. Lord, we praise you and we thank you because you are worthy and you have done so much for us. You have blessed us over and over again. And so we just want to commit it to you. We just want to lift your name and exalt you as the one who is worthy. Lord, may you hear our praise. May you take joy in our proclamation of your praise. Lord, may you be worshipped and praised forever and ever. Amen. All right, here we go.
been faithful through every storm. You've been faithful forevermore. You have a great faith. And I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you do great things. Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have the great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, you've done great things. Before we go anywhere, I think we need to sing one more song. Those of you who have a story, what God has done in your life, share it with somebody as you go today. Don't forget what we've, we've heard today, what we've borne witness to today. He is a God who works miracles. Working in this place, I worship. 
worship you. I worship you. Sing it. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship.
for anyone who wants to stay after the service, we're going to do that song one more time. But before we do that, we're going to dismiss you with this. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Praise him as you go, because he is worthy. Thank you for joining us this morning.
stay here for just a little while and continue to play and just worship the Lord. If you want to stick around to do that, it's fine. If not, you need to go, then feel free. Bless you guys.